Welcome to another episode of the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It's Zimmel still hanging out with you as we continue to work our way closer and closer to March Madness, the Big 12 tournament just around the corner. You know what they say, February is when you want to be playing your best basketball on Horn Frog Basketball. Well, you know, they're turning up a couple notches. Got a jam-packed show for you today, talking, of course, TCU men's basketball. We also have the recently released Big 12 football schedule, the Senior Bowl preview, and a little Sunny Dykes news. But first, two big things. One, we're recording this on National Signing Day. So next week is when we're going to do a more in-depth, full breakdown of what National Signing Day looked like. We're going to do that next week because then we will have a better idea of what the class is going to completely look like for 2023 for TCU football. One thing, though, we know for sure is that Jaden Rashada committed to Arizona State over TCU, the four-star quarterback. So Sonny Dykes in the uh, program still looking for, quote, the quarterback of the future. So a lot of people complaining about that, saying, like, well, you know, TCU, if they miss out on a quarterback with Duggan leaving, who knows? Well, got to remind everybody that Max Duggan was, of course, quarterback number two coming in, cannot be overstressed enough. Feels like we talk about this all the time. He was quarterback number two coming into the season. I feel like TCU can kind of turn anybody into a pretty good quarterback. I'm not saying you're going to turn into Max Duggan and be a Heisman finalist, but I think that Dykes has has a little bit of a track record now of taking good quarterbacks and making them great. So all you need to do is get a good quarterback, and uh, he's kind of like a QB whisper. Lincoln Riley, he is the face of that right now, of course, getting two guys to the trophy, another well, three guys to the trophy, Kyler, Baker, and now Caleb Williams, but like Dykes is on that same trajectory. I think he can kind of turn anybody. It does stink not getting the four-star that the fans want, but hey, at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. Second big thing, I want to support the uh, podcast. I want to thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Not only by rating, reviewing, and subscribing, but somehow the podcast ended up on Georgia social media boards. Put it that way. So the entire weekend, I was suffering. Not su- Well, I shouldn't say suffering. I was putting up with dog fans who listened to the preview of the national championship where I will admit maybe a little bit over optimistic. Okay. Uh, Then they listened to the pre or the post game show that we did. And those fans got to love them. Two time national champions. Somebody said it recently on a different podcast on a different network talking about it used to only be Alabama. The SEC had Alabama. And then the rest of the conference kind of rode on their coattails, as SEC fan bases do. But now we have two Alabamas. We got Alabama, Crimson Tide, and we have Alabama that plays in Georgia, who will jump on a podcast. Granted, great, very successful, very handsome podcasters podcast, and they will just dog him. So I want to thank everybody for continuing to spread the word on the podcast and sharing it with your friends and family, because it was fun to uh, kind of go back and forth with some guys over the weekend on that. All right. Let's talk about the, t- the Big 12 schedule because the Big 12 was the last conference to put out a schedule. They put their schedule out on Tuesday, and I want to go through it because TCU has a couple of big games here. I highlighted five of them to go through with you guys. First thing, it's a little too early to be doing win predictions, predictions, I should say. I don't, I'm not going to guess the over-under, especially when we don't know what the signing class looks like. We don't know what the other teams are going to look like in the conference. I am not comfortable right now on the first day of February to tell you that this is a 10-win team or this is a 6-win team. I'm just not comfortable telling you guys that. But I will say that looking at the schedule, there's a couple of games on the schedule that I think are big wins and could be 
program altering. We'll put it that way. This is the first and potentially only year that the Big 12 will have 14 teams. So normally we got the, okay, it's a round robin, everybody plays everybody, and you end up with a situation like we had this past year where TCU beats Kansas State and then goes to the Big 12 championship and loses to them. Saw this situation happen with Texas a couple years ago. They beat Oklahoma in the Red River shootout. They lose to them in the Big 12 championship game. Okay, We don't have that this year. Everybody will not play everybody, which means that some schedules will be easier than other schedules. I think TCU's schedule this year is not a lot harder. I think the Big 12 did a pretty good job of kind of kicking Texas and Oklahoma as they leave. Those schedules look a little bit harder to me than uh, TCU's. So, all right, week one at home against Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffalo. All right, this is a very interesting game to start the season with. Unlike other teams who might get a cupcake game to start their 2023-24 season, TCU has a very tough opponent because Colorado, even though last year was one of the worst seasons in program history, they have a new head coach. I would argue that most other head coaches, uh, a change would not make that big of a difference, right? You go from a two-win team to maybe a six-win team. You go, you go become bowl eligible. But with Coach, with Coach Prime, it's not getting a Nick Saban or a Ed Orgeron, who might be good at, like, Nick Saban, really good at defense, or Ed Orgeron, really good at people. Okay, I know I can build a program around me. Dion brings a star power that kind of brings both. Right, He's going to be able to bring in good coaches, which he's already done. He's going to bring in really good talent, which, again, that transfer portal and the signing class that Colorado's having, they're trending in the right direction. This potentially, especially with the uh, Pac-12 kind of shifting and changing a little bit, this could be a team in two or three years that's contending for one of those playoff spots when we expand to 12 teams. I don't think it's out of the ordinary to say that. And to play them in week one, maybe TCU is set up went relatively well. You catch this team before they can kind of get their footing, but that is going to be a very talented team. Now, February 1st, again, reminding you, I'm not willing to say that this is a loss or a win. I am willing to say that I think Colorado will be more talented when you talk about star ratings on those recruiting sites than TCU. I don't think that that's a hot take. Week three at Houston. It's the first road trip of the season with a new opponent. Houston, they're bringing in former Texas Tech quarterback Donovan Smith. This is another one where I think it's kind of interesting, right? Week three, on the road, and we have a matchup with against Dana Holgerson, who took the Mountaineers, if you remember WVU, took them into the Big 12 and had immediate success with Geno Smith. Can he recreate that with the Cougars? Can he recreate that? We'll find out, and it's going to be a really interesting chess match because in other seasons, you know, you look at it, okay, this quarterback versus this defense or this quarterback versus this quarterback when you look at the schedule. This is the only game in the Big 12 where I look at it as two genius offensive coordinators. I look at it and I go, Sonny Dykes versus Dana Holgerson. This game, I, again, we don't know what the uh, point total over will be, but I'm letting you know right now, hit it. Hit it as soon as you can because they're going to hit the over for points. That is a fact. Week 4, Hosting SMU. It's the final scheduled Battle of the Iron Skillet. It's going to take place in Fort Worth. And again, this rivalry needs to continue to happen. The whole reason that college football is much better than the NFL or the Arena Football League or the USFL, the whole reason that we love college football is the rivalries, is the pageantry. 
And the idea that we're not going to get the iron skillet after 2024 is just mind-boggling to me. Guys, let's figure it out. Could be really interesting. SMU, they're trying to get revenge. They have been very active in the transfer portal as well. So SMU, we've gone through the three games so far. All three teams are going to be a lot better than I think they, they were a year prior. Week 7, hosting BYU. A rivalry renewed. Go back to the Mountain West days. TCU had won 5 of 7 against BYU in the Mountain West. They're trying to go 1-0 and against them in the Big 12 as the new rivalry. So BYU, that's one. TCU fans, you know it. I know it. BYU is not a pushover. That's going to be a very good team. So they come into Fort Worth. Week 7 against, uh, or yeah, week 8, correction, against Kansas State. So you go back-to-back weeks. You get a rivalry, and then you have to go to Manhattan. And this is a big one. Week 8 will be kind of the point where you know if TCU is going to be a legit contender or not. The Big 12 last year had TCU rise to the top, but in years prior, you know how it goes. It's a conference that will eat itself. This is a conference that does not have a top dog a lot of the time, so you might have a conference champion with two or three losses. Kansas State, TCU, the two teams that played in the Big 12 championship last year, Coming into this game in Week 8 in Manhattan, it's going to be a revenge game for Kansas State, and it's going to be a revenge game for TCU. Why would it be a revenge game for K-State? They won the Big 12, you might say. They lost in the regular season in a game that they don't think that they should have lost in. Now, a lot of talent moving on from uh, the Wildcats, a lot of talent moving on from TCU. So this game might mean a lot, might mean nothing. Week 8 at Manhattan, that's one you want to watch for. Week 11 and week 13 are a farewell tour to TCU and Oklahoma. Now, a year ago, I would have told you that TCU and Oklahoma leaving the conference would be a death rattle. A year ago, I would have told you that TCU and Oklahoma going to the SEC, abandoning the Big 12, would be the end of the conference. And that TCU needs to be looking for another conference to join, either be the 10, the Pac-12, somewhere else, because or start their own. Because the Big 12 would not be able to withstand without those two. A year later, I'm willing to say, good riddance. A year later, I'm willing to say, TCU, you might get the better deal. Because when we look at the expanded playoffs and how do teams get in there, your conference champions are going to get an automatic bid. Everybody else is at large. And the way that the committee has worked in the past would not shock me if the SEC has a little bit of an unfair advantage. But you have to be good in the SEC. And I don't think Oklahoma or Texas will be that. It's the last time Texas may be coming to uh, Carter Stadium before they leave for the SEC. They're the preseason pick right now. This is the preseason pick for me to be the game of the year. Because it could be a clash of two top 15 teams if TCU and Sonny Dykes gets this program trending in the right direction and if Texas lives up to expectations. They haven't in the past decade. I don't know why next year would be any different. But with Archie Manning... With Quinn Ewers, the quarterback play for the Longhorns, and with Sarkeesian, it's really hard for me to say right now that that team won't be any good. And Week 13, the final regular season game, is the final game for OU in the Big 12. And they have been a superpower since TCU has joined the Big 12. It would be very nice, in fact, I'd say maybe spectacular, to kick them on the way out. Goodbye. Have fun. Avita Zay. Thanks for ruining the conference. Thanks for running this conference the way that you did. Bye. It's our time. That is what I'm hoping for in week 13. Senior Bowl preview. All right. Five Horn Frogs are playing in the Reese Senior Bowl. 
It's the most ever for TCU. Here are the five players. It's Max Duggan, which is a complete no-brainer. When you look at the history of the Senior Bowl, the history of the Senior Bowl, quarterbacks that go get an automatic juice to their draft stock. Quarterbacks the most, I would say, get the biggest juice to the draft stock. You think back, Derek Carr and, of course, Josh Allen both did it recently. Duggan is projected fifth round. He's quarterback nine. A really good senior bowl might change that, might move him uh, up the rankings a little bit. Offensive lineman Steve Alvia. He is a second team all Big 12. Very serviceable interior lineman. Loud zero sacks this season, only nine hurries. He's projected fourth rounder. Darius Davis, he's going into the NFL as a wide receiver, a kick returner, potentially. Great speed. You watch him play at uh, TCU, great speed undersized, however, to be an outside threat. Got to be a little bit bigger. He does not match that. So he's going to be a slot receiver. How does he fit in in the senior bowl? How does he look with other quarterbacks throwing in the ball? Six career touchdowns uh, returned. He's projected fourth rounder. This is where I thought it was interesting. So you go through the three offensive players all projected fourth or later, or third or later. You go back to the defense, which was good this year in a 3-3-5, those both those players talking about Dylan Horton and uh, D Winters. Both those guys projected a lot higher, projected third, and a projected uh, third. Both projected third rounders. So Horton led the Big Twelve in sacks, ten and a half, as a defensive lineman. Had four sacks and forced fumble in the Fiesta Bowl. At six four, two hundred and fifty pounds, he's versatile, and that's what the NFL likes. What can you do? How much can you do it? Can you do a lot of it? And he proved that he can be a hand-in-the-dirt type of defensive player or he can stand up and come off as an edge rusher in a 3-3-5. I really like that. And that's D. Winters. He was the quarterback of the defense. Brought a ton of success to TCU this year on the defensive side. He understands complex defenses. That's what all the scouts have been writing about. That's what everybody's been saying so far is the fact that he can run a relatively complex defense, especially when you think about, okay, only six guys potentially could rush the quarterback. You got five guys in the uh, secondary. How how do you get pressure on the quarterback? How do you stop a run game? TCU did a great job of that. And uh, while Winters wasn't a great cover linebacker in the regular season, in the playoffs, it showed out. Granted, national championship, not so much. But in the Fiesta Bowl against Michigan, picked off uh, J.J. McCarthy for a pick six. He, of course, is a projected third rounder as well. And uh, TCU, they've sent a player to the Senior Bowl. This is a good note. Sent a senior or sent a player to the Senior Bowl every year since 2015. Reminder: Senior Bowl this Saturday on the NFL Network. Let's move on. TCU basketball. Now, last week I told you that the Mississippi State game would be a layup, and I was wrong. Uh, Mississippi State ended up winning that game. But luckily, luckily for this TCU team, you can't focus on losses too long because you have another game. Last night, they beat WVU 76-72 for Horn Frogs in double figures on the win, bouncing back from the loss. Uh, without Eddie Lampkin, though, in that loss against Mississippi State. Now, he didn't play a ton last night either, but TCU was able to uh, get the job done against a Mountaineers team that's a little bit more undersized. That was the takeaway from Saturday to me was the fact that, okay, without Mike Miles Jr., who didn't play last night again with a knee injury, TCU was able to shoot very well last night, did not shoot nearly as well on Saturday because of the size difference. 
That makes me a little bit concerned. If TCU can't stop teams with a lot of size, how are they going to match up with Texas, or how are they going to match up with the NCAA tournament? Those are two things that make me a little bit concerned uh, without your big man. Damian Ball had a second career double-double last night, 16 points, 10 assists. Jacoby Coles had 17 points. Uh, Shahada Wells had 16 points on 70% shooting. Xavier Cook had 15. And the Horn Frogs, as a team, forced 10 turnovers. Big game this Saturday against Oklahoma State, the 12-9, 3-5 in conference team. It's going to be important uh, to get uh, Lampkin and uh, Miles back for the stretch run at the end of the month, going into the month of March. That is what we need to be looking at here. Because I'd much rather be a lower seed in the Big 12 tournament with a chance to upset some teams versus be the number one team, rush these guys back, and then not only potentially lose in the Big 12 tournament, but maybe have a one-and-done in the NCAA tournament. Now, the number one seed currently in the Big 12 is the University of Texas. They're 7-2. and two. Those two teams face off March 1st in Fort Worth. So in a month, Longhorns come to town. Be interesting. We'll see if uh, TC, or TCU is still in the hunt, top three seed, top four seed, or if uh, Texas comes back down to earth. Either way, very important that we get Lampkin and uh, Miles back at full health. All right, last thing to wrap the podcast up. This is what I thought was really interesting. Normally, when you see a uh, player, person of the year, those things, those awards usually come in December, sometimes in November, if you're really early with it. But normally, those are the end of the year type of things. Well, Fort Worth Incorporated, they publish their list of the top 400 Fort Worth's most influential people with one individual selected from the list as the magazine's person of the year. And the recipient is someone with a lifetime of achievement, particularly in the last year, and is good for Fort Worth and the region. So it was not a big shocker that TCU head coach Sonny Dykes was named the 2023 Person of the Year for Fort Worth. Now, we did a little bit on the podcast leading up to the national championship, all of the awards, the acclimate that was coming to Dykes and to the TCU team. Did not realize how many. So Dykes, he won 10 National Coach of the Year awards in his first season as a head coach. There's 10 different organizations that give out Coach of the Year. That was a bigger shock to me than Dykes winning them all. Because I, I imagine Dykes... A team that was projected to, I think, finish 7th in the uh, Big 12, not only winning the regular season, but winning a playoff game. That, to me, makes sense. Okay, you give that guy the Coach of the Year award. But to have 10 different organizations, I imagine there's probably more than 10 uh, giving out those awards. A lot of awards being thrown around. He led the Horn Frogs to the first playoff appearance and, of course, the trip to the national championship. So congratulations to head coach Sonny Dykes. Congratulations to the uh, TCU Horn Frogs. Football program, again, for a successful season, even though the national championship did not end the way that uh, one podcaster thought it might. All right, that'll do it for us over here at the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Please subscribe, rate, review, share. If you want to share this podcast on uh, other teams' message boards, have at it. I love to uh, talk TCU athletics with anybody who will listen and uh, look, Georgia Bulldogs, national champions, we will see what they look like in uh, a year, two years. We'll, we'll see if they continue this run or if they are a one-and-done or two-and-done, I guess. We'll see what happens. That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you guys next week.